Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rick's World Podcast. Today we will be looking at the amazing country of Canada. Some quick facts about it first. It has a population of 37.5 million. It is the second largest country in the world by landmass. And like other countries we have discussed so far, it is also a former British colony. I do want to reiterate that this is not just a podcast about the British Commonwealth. It just so happens that they did once own a lot of the world. With me here to discuss Canada, we have Dale McDermott. Although Dale is originally from Ireland and was once head of Young Fine Gael, Dale has went from strength to strength since moving to Canada and is now head of Canada's LGBT plus Chamber of Commerce. In our second episode, we will look at Canada's drug policies, gun policies and its LGBT plus policies. But for the first episode, we are going to get into the minutia of its political parties and institutions. Great to have you here today, Dale. Richard, thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Great stuff, Dale. So to get started, why don't we talk about Canada's main political parties and what they stand for, as well as what the main houses of parliament are in Canada? First thing to say is Canada is a it's it's a federal system comprised of you know the federal government uh, but also ten provincial governments and each both the federal and the provincial government have have different responsibilities so you know for example foreign affairs and defence would be uh, responsibilities for the federal government but high spending portfolios like health and education are actually provincial responsibilities so. I think that's just a first thing to say about, about the overall shape and dynamic of the Canadian system. Um, and then there's basically four main parties which occupy the, you know, the vigor of debate in the Canadian system. Um, the first party is the Liberal Party, um, and, and these are known as the, the natural party of government. So you could say somewhat similar in ways to Fianna Fáil back in Ireland. They've been in power for much of the majority of Canadian history yeah. since the federation of the country in 1867. Trudeau is the family name which will be well known to people across the world. And uh, the current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, of course, is the son of uh, another former Prime Minister, Pierre Trudeau. And since Pierre Trudeau, the party has really pursued a policy of multiculturalism. So really looking at immigration, integration and expanding you know access to Canada uh, across the world uh, and seeing an influx of different cultures into the country previously Canada you know was very much a country of white anglo-saxon protestant descent you know like many other you know former british colonies with quebec the french province being the exception and we will get onto that yes. uh, when i speak uh, when i speak about the separatist party and you know in terms of the, the the politics of the liberal party you know socially very liberal pro cannabis legalization and did so in 2018 pro gay marriage pro-abortion, pro-medical uh, assisted uh, in dying. So, you know, really in terms of the traditional questions of social liberalism, they're very high on that side of the scale. Economically, you know, quite centre, centre-left, you know, uh, the most recent, I suppose, contested economic policy was the federal carbon tax, which was putting a, fe putting a federal price on carbon, which was really vigorously opposed by both the Conservative Party of Canada, but also the provincial Conservative parties too. So, so the Liberal Party really is, you know, I suppose Canada's party of government uh, and, 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 has and, and has been so since the foundation of the country. 
country. Then, as I just referenced, the other major party is the Conservative Party of Canada. This is a party which came together after the merger of a few few right-wing and, and, and centre-right parties back in 2003. So you had the former Progressive Conservatives, you had the former uh, Canadian Alliance Party and the former Refor- uh, Reform Party, who were both right-wing parties uh, in Canadian politics back in 2003. And this has resulted in a party which is very much, you know, a big tent uh, or broad church, depending on how you want to categorize it. You know, in terms of their politics, turning socially, first of all, you know, socially, they're a party that has, you know, dealt with lots of convicting, uh, conflicting views uh, on social issues, such as abortion such as the right to medically assisted dying, there have been lots of questions, and this actually affected them in the last federal election as to, you know, their support and their, I suppose, lack thereof of public affection towards the LGBT plus community, for example. So, you know, it's a party which I think has struggled with settling many questions. Um, And, you know, when I speak about abortion, abortion in Canada, it really is an issue which has been settled for for a long time. But saying settled, there's still, you know, a sizable part of the population, you know, 15, 20% who who do vigorously oppose uh, abortion rights, but no party wants to touch that issue, which I think is is quite interesting. But sorry, just 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 interject yeah. there for a second. So like so obviously Canada's very close to the US and the Republican Party, I would say very much quite clearly stands for pro-life side of things. So you said Canada's conservatives they're they're maybe not as unified that either pro-choice or pro-life or what's you said they're kind of a bit in the middle. Yeah, and and uh, like I think the thing to remember is that you know there's different like any party there's different factions. Yeah. So, uh, and, and what you're seeing in the Conservative Party is you know these various factions vying for you know the control of the debate and to have their uh, their opinion asserted. But what you're finding though is that in spite of that, no party wants to reopen any debate on abortion. Uh, And what you're finding now is that even if uh, leaders or senior political figures in in certain parties, in this case, the Conservative Party, have a personal view which is not supportive of abortion, they will still caveat that with the issue is closed and we will not reopen that debate. So because I think the bigger risk is if you try to reopen that debate, the voters will come up, come down on you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I think that, is it. That that sounds actually quite like maybe Fianna Fáil as a party in the fact that it it like openly their their leader Michal Martin is obviously pro choice, but many of their members are pro life. But then many of those members are now. I remember especially after the abortion referendum in Ireland, kind of said, uh, "Well, the matter's closed now." So that that seems relatively similar to that. I think so. Yeah, like I, I think with you know, uh, you know, there's lots of um, comparisons to the Fianna Fáil party you could draw from this. I think in terms yeah. of like, really the struggle that party leaders can have when you when you have a party which, you know, is a broad church. You know, with that comes you have to lead the various factions within that party, and sometimes those factions just conflict to you know every possible end and uh, I certainly don't envy a party leader that has to uh, you know corral a group of uh, uh, different perspectives in in kind of one clear direction but it definitely is um, 
is an issue which the party uh, has to contend with and I think can potentially limit their, uh, their, their electoral potential until they settle those kind of key issues. Um, sorry, so yeah. if, if they are a bit mixed on things like abortion and where, where is the bread and butter issues for the Conservatives? Is it very much just opposing carbon taxes and lowering taxes? or? Is yeah, so traditionally, you know, the big ticket items and the big focus for the Conservative Party is um, on economics. So, you know, really focusing on, um, you know, the smaller government approach, lower taxes, lower spending. I referenced and you just referenced there, Richard, um, that they were extremely against the federally uh, the federal uh, implemented carbon tax, which the Supreme Court only recently ruled as being constitutional. And must be and and it is is allowed to be implemented as law and is legal. So the Conservative Party now has to contend with that, uh, having opposed the federal uh, carbon tax for you know the guts of two years now. It's now been given assent into law, and that is an issue which has to be contended with as well. So, but really, to your point, economically, you know, small government, you could argue takes the uh, takes lots of inspiration from the um, Conservative Party in the. In the UK, which I think, you know, uh, prior to Prime Minister Johnson's government now, lower spending was definitely a priority for conservative politics in the UK. Yeah. So, okay. So, they're, they're the two main parties. And who are they? And there's two more. There's yeah. two more. Yeah. So, so the, the, the third is uh, the NDP. They're the New Democratic Party. Um, this is Canada's Social Democratic Party, categorized as left-wing, supports bigger government spending and, you know, higher supports for people. And that takes a form from a policy perspective in terms of, you know, universal basic income, dental, uh, healthcare being covered under Canada's universal healthcare system. They have never been in government federally, but they have been provincially. I, I mentioned that at the start, you have the, the, the federal and uh, national system, but then you have your 10 provincial governments. And, you know, the NDP actually really, you know, formed social democratic principles from the prairie regions of Canada. Uh, and they definitely have, you know, a, a big a big presence in, 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 in the prairie region, but also in, um, in the likes of Alberta as well. So, so, you know, really, again, to categorize or to kind of, you know, contrast that and compare with, uh, with Ireland, you could say they're very much like Labour and the Social Democrats. And that sort of end of the spectrum is the position that, that they fill. And then you have the fourth major party, which is the Bloc Québécois. This is a Quebec separatist party. So yeah. 10 provinces in Canada, one of them is Quebec. That is the French-speaking province. So the thing to remember here is that Quebec is, it's a unique province. Um, yeah. You know, first of all, they speak French first, while, you know, the other provinces would traditionally have a majority and a significant majority in most cases, uh, English-speaking they have a different legal system. Um, so, so Canada's legal system is common law. Yeah. Uh, Quebec is actually civil law based, which is, I think, an interesting technicality. And then another technicality actually is that uh, technically Quebec as a province has actually not signed on to the Canadian constitution. Um, so the Constitution Act in 18, uh, uh, sorry, in, in 1982, they did actually not sign on to, but legally it doesn't make a difference. They've, it's, you know, through various legal protocols, it's been inferred and there's an implied assent that's been given. 
And there's really, you know, the, the reason for this is there's kind of five key issues that Quebec wants to have more control over, as opposed to the federal government having a say. And, and those five issues are, the first is they want uh, codified a recognition of Quebec as a distinct society within Canada. They want to limit federal uh, spending power. They want guaranteed representation for Quebec on the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, right now, Again, this, it's kind of implied and there's generally always been Quebec representation on the Supreme Court of Canada, but it's not codified. And that's something which they want to have written in stone in the Constitution. They want to have the power to veto any potential constitutional amendments. And also, which is a theme in Quebec, is more, con more control over immigration. Um, so generally on, in, in, in Canadian immigration uh, policies and procedures, Quebec generally has sort of a different system and kind of different caveats which necessarily don't apply to the broader the broader Canadian system so well, to, to, to cut through about this is is the yeah. reason that it's immigration is a big thing to be basically just largely only want French speakers coming to the region are they afraid it'll be English speaking dominated Correct. Yeah. Like, like I think a big thing here is that they want to keep their, their culture uh, and keep their, um, you know, their distinct society, which is, you know, a term which is, I suppose, a good way to, to compare and contrast it would be with the Gaeltacht. You know, Irish yeah, speaking, yeah. Uh, Gaeltacht wants to protect uh, Irish language speaking parts in Ireland to ensure that that culture is protected and it's something which Quebecers uh, have fought for um, for a long time. And what we do know, of course, uh, and I, I mentioned that the Bloc Québécois are a separatist party. In 1997, um, there was a referendum uh, for independence uh, for the province of Quebec. And, you know, the, people need to realize how close that was. If you thought Brexit was close, this was even closer uh, in, in the sense that it was, I think, 50.0001% to 49.999% um, in favor of remaining in a federation. But, um, you know, so, so uh, it's definitely been a challenge. But I think since then, it's broadly accepted that the issue of um, Quebec independence is somewhat settled. Uh, and that speaks to, you know, the rising influence of the Bloc Québécois in federal politics. And, you know, in, in, in the last federal election, for example, uh, their seat count went up significantly. And that actually helped to prevent um, Prime Minister Trudeau and the Liberal Party from gaining a majority in Parliament. So, but do, you know... So it, sounds, it sounds somewhat similar to the SNP in Scotland, maybe, even, or... or I'm not even going to get into Northern Ireland because that's <laughs> <laughs> that's an that's another episode. <laughs> but yeah, like I suppose you, so you're saying they're picking up more seats. A lot of these nationalist movements, and I suppose in Spain and stuff. But are they are they winning seats on kind of bread and butter issues? Or are they winning seats on kind of promising another election on independence? Or what's their current kind of end goal? Yeah, so so like like they are a separatist party, so they do believe in like the distinct you know, I saw a separation of, you know, Quebec as being its own country could be better. But in reality, you know, will that happen? I think for now, many doubt it. But I think, you know, what we're seeing, and, and I think we're seeing this with nationalist parties across the world, is that they're seeing, rather than, you know, focusing intern internally on their provinces, by, by playing a bigger part on the national stage, and, you know, contesting elections and gaining, you know, broad support in their local uh, provinces to 
gain more seats and have a bigger voice on the national table, that is a way to perhaps get those five key issues, which I mentioned previously before, on the actual policy agenda. Uh, because I mentioned before, you know, because of the rise of the Bloc Québécois, that affected the Liberals' ability to gain a majority because they lost seats in in Quebec. Sorry to interject, but if the Liberals want to promote a party of inclusion and Canada has been multicultural from its outset, then should the Liberal Party not be targeting Quebec as a key region to win votes in? Well, they did make um, headway into the um, into Quebec. In fact, it's the Liberal Party. It's because of the Liberal Party and and Prime Minister uh, Pierre Trudeau. It was said uh, the French name. Yeah, yeah, yes. Which is well, is a French name, and, and from Quebec, and, and yeah. same with um, okay. same with Prime Minister Trudeau. Currently, it's because of Pierre Trudeau that the policy of bilingualism in Canada was introduced. So previously, English was the first language. Yeah, you now have a situation where both English and French are on an equal legislative footing, codified in law, and you know that means that, for example, every all of the public service federally must operate in both English and French. You know, to contrast that to Ireland, yes, we have to, you know, operate in a, in a bilingual footing, but I think in Canada, it's just a lot more, uh, it's a lot more equal, I suppose. Is, is, right, is, is, so, so I suppose like what, what percentage of maybe Canadians could speak French as well as English? About 25%. About twenty five. So is that, is that about twenty five percent? Are naturally, or is that twenty five percent, including yeah, so, where people can speak French as well? So I'll give you an example. So so in Ontario, which is where I'm based, so Toronto is um, is our capital here in uh, in Ontario. So about seventy five percent of the province are English speaking, and twenty five percent are French speaking. And if you go to Quebec, which is the province right beside us. That's the inverse. So 75% are French-speaking and 25% are English-speaking. And then in terms of both being bilingual, I actually don't know that figure off the top of my head. No, that, but that, I, I, okay. But I, I think it's, I do think it's around, I think it's around 20% of Canada as a whole. So, so 20% of the national population can speak both, both languages. Okay, that, 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 is, that is a very significant amount. Like I, yes. pre- I presume in a place like uh, Calgary, sorry, is that Ontario? Sorry, sorry, what's the what's the state Calgary's in? Calgary is in Alberta. Alberta, yeah. So like I presume to be far fewer French speakers over that side of the country, or am I there, wrong? Um, there's, there's fewer, but I actually read something recently, and unless I'm totally you know uh, having a brain fart on this one, I do recall that there is actually a, a, a number of French speaking, like it's a, it's sizable, it's lower, right. but I think it's sizable in uh, there. But I think you're looking at like you know more Vancouver and you know Saskatchewan and Manitoba as being the 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 lower um, countries, I suppose, in terms of French speaking. No, that's that's very interesting. Um, I suppose, yes. Yeah. So um, just getting in terms of, so you said Trudeau's Liberals didn't get the majority. So by, by the way you're saying that, it sounds like um, that it's, it's, it's basically the Prime Minister is elected through a party is getting the most seats rather than a direct election like you have in America. Is that the case? Yeah. So, so you know, the Canadian political system takes its shape 
from um, the UK style uh, a parliament. Yeah. So what does that mean? So the governor general, who is the Queen's representative uh, here in Canada, the Queen is, of course, the head of state in Canada. So the, the governor general must select as prime minister, uh, the person who's most likely to uh, command the confidence of the uh, House of Commons, very similar to the UK. Yeah. This, the person who occupies that confidence is typically one of the leaders of the, you know, major political parties that holds um, uh, the most seats in that chamber. And then in terms of that confidence being shaken, there's, you know, in the UK, you have your Queen's speech. In Canada, you have your speech from the throne. And that basically sets out the government's you know, legislative priorities for, um, for the coming year. There was a big issue, of course, in the UK with prorogation uh, and, and kind of how that can uh, affect accountability in terms of questioning. Uh, but uh, all that to say is that in, in, in Canada, it follows a very similar, a, a very similar vein. And of course, the, the other way confidence can be tested in Parliament is also a budget. So any financial legislative motion uh, that goes to Parliament, uh, that is in effect a confidence motion, very much like in the Dáil as well. Yeah. And if government were to lose a confidence vote then, sorry, to, to lose a budget vote, that effectively means that the confidence of that government is gone. Yeah, so, so I presume there's, uh, this leads to lots of uh, coalitions it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't actually. No, it doesn't. So, so again, very much like the UK coalition. So, when you look back to to twenty ten, when you know, former former Prime Minister David Cameron and uh, former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg, you know, convened in in um, Whitehall for five days to bash out that all famous coalition agreement for the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party. You know, coalitions in the UK are generally not a thing and it's generally always been single party in government either majority or minority the very same applies here in canada coalitions are just not really a thing and a lot of that is down to i think the electoral system that they have so again very similar past the post yeah, so so it, it it derives from the UK again. First past the post is uh, the electoral system, and I think actually, in terms of countries that do first past the post, I think it's only Canada, the UK, and I think another obscure country. I think are only like the three major countries in the world currently operating first past the post. So it's a bit of an interesting one. Um, well, and if, um, I suppose yeah, Pakistan, the last country we did, I know it's. It, it it used the first past the post. Um, Australia, which I did my other podcast on, it it I suppose it has actually PR, but it's actually only one seat constituencies, so it acts yes. somewhat similarly to first past the post. Even it's basically it AV. It's basically becomes an AV then, yeah. Uh, which is what which is what the uh, which is what the UK which is what the Lib Dems one, one yeah. of the one of the price for the Lib Dems going into government with the Conservatives was yeah. a referendum on AV, which of course failed. So, but, you know, so in, in terms of Canada, it, it, it is single. So it's it's first past the post and it's single seat constituencies. So yeah. the legal term used is electoral district. Um, but the more common, you know, colloquial phrase to use is a word called riding. And riding is from um, the old English it drives from Old English, which, which basically means one third. You know, really comparing, for example, farthing, which 
which means basically one fourth. It's a word to divide, to subdivide a country. So if you're subdividing a country by writing, that's how you would do it and into single seat constituencies. So what does that mean? It basically means that, you know, there are safe seats in Canada, much like in the UK. Uh, Irish listeners will know, given the fluidity uh, of the proportional representation system, which we all know and love, where really no seat can be guaranteed as safe, given the you know, the high profile losses that generally happen every electoral cycle in Ireland. But, you know, what this leads then is to is kind of a more stable system. And it can make it harder, I suppose, for smaller parties, you know, like in Ireland, you know, the Social Democrats, um, uh, people for profit, all of those parties can, you know, find it harder to, to penetrate the national political stage. Yeah, interesting. Um, so how many houses of parliament are there in Canada or what are the main checks and balances? I would assume you'd need quite a few, considering you seem to have some very powerful one-party governments. So, so, so in Canada, there are so Canada is um, bicameral. Uh, so, so we we do have a House of Commons and we have okay. a Senate. So, yeah. the Senate is the the second check on legislation. It is populated by senators who who act in a lifetime appointment. So, oh. senators can serve. Up until I think seventy-five years of age, actually, so they don't actually face any any electoral test on a regular basis, and they're appointed. Now, one thing is before they fell on party lines, so you know, generally the party in power would use that, you know, would would use yeah. vacancies to fill party representation on their own uh, side. Yeah. Uh, one of the reforms that the Liberals did, I think, it was twenty. 16 or 2017 was to effectively ask every uh, member of the Liberal uh, Senator Caucus to resign the party and become, in effect, independents. So it's a it's it was kind of a mini way to do a slight reform of uh, of the institution. But I think as an institution as a whole, it's probably do a bit of an update, much like in the UK with the House of Lords. There's been always there's always been debate about. You know, what is the future of that house and how does it update and change? So key thing to remember is federally, bicameral, House of Commons, directly elected, Senate appointed, then provincially, they're unicameral. So you just have basically a people's house, very much in the, in the same vein in the US, which is state legislature. And would they... would. So I, th- I think you said they have a lot of say over, say, budget and so on of their own re- of their own provinces. Is Correct. Any, but like, can they can they say um, we're, we're probably going on to gun ownership at some point? But yes, can can a province basically decide its own gun regulations for how easily or strict it is to purchase a gun? Yeah. So so, so so so. Uh, uh, a few things here to remember. So there are issues uh, that are the responsibility of the federal government, and there are issues that are of the responsibility of the provincial governments. Depending on issue of the day, so so the first thing to remember, of course, as well, is that both the federal government and the province have revenue-raising powers, so they can tax. Citizens in Canada and uh, residents in Canada will likely pay at two taxes every year, both their federal tax and their provincial tax, and both of those go to those those respective governments. The federal government then will generally use that to do what's called a transfer payment, and they'll transfer payments to various different provinces depending on their needs, as yeah. opposed to you know to kind of rebalance supports across the country. 
And those are supports then for what are provincial responsibilities, such as healthcare, such as education. That That's really, in a nutshell, kind of how they work. Sorry, just, there just is, on yeah. that, you end, up, you end up with very high taxes or kind of what is kind of high taxes or relatively middle taxes or what like compared to... If, if you're getting taxed from your federal and local i could i don't know I, I could just imagine if that was ireland would just keep going up and up and up but sure yeah so so it's 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 not it's not uh both taking the same amount really it's it's proportionate so you know let's say someone's paying you know an effective rate of 20 23 you could say you know uh 12 is going to be federal 12 is going to be you know province is kind of how it kind of uh, is structured. Remember, the province has the really big spending issues, health, education, and police. Those are, you know, three main spending areas that the province has to contend with. And then federally, you know, they're looking at, you know, uh, infrastructure procurement. They're looking at defense. They also have a justice role in terms of the federal police, who are the RCMP, Listeners will refer to the Mounties, <laughs> the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They're the uh, prevent. They're the federal police service of Canada. So yeah, so that 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 goes over a lot of parties. I suppose one one party which seemed to be a bit absent there is the Green Party. Is that just because possibly because obviously Ireland has won Australia, which we did before had that was their third largest party, and it's the Greens are very large in Germany and so on. Um, are they just not that large in Canada because maybe the Liberal Party kind of already taken that niche or one of the other parties or what's the reason? Yeah, and, and I think you, like you, you've touched on a few things there. The first being that, you know, when you're a big established party, that gives you the benefit of being able to, you know, be a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Green, for example, introduced a federally mandated carbon tax that's a big green ticket item. Yeah, it is. Um, so, so, but, 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 like, what you've seen here is that the Green Party just have not really been able to penetra- penetrate through federally, and a few reasons for that. One, I think the the electoral system uh, makes yeah. it difficult. Again, like the UK, the UK has a um, has a Green Party, but they find it difficult to break through on that front. We also have a situation now where the the actual leader of the Green Party presently is actually not even a member of parliament so uh, which can happen you find that sometimes people become leaders of parties and aren't actually members of parliament yet and then have to go to a safer seat and contest it and hope that that hope that they make it then into the house of commons and have their voice heard so i think it's a few things but i think primarily it's down to the electoral system and the lack of a um, presence for that party leader in parliament and finally, can I ask, how are the leaders of the parties in Canada elected? Is it through the elected membership of the party where the people who are in Parliament have a weighted vote compared to their ordinary members like some Irish political parties have? Or is it the general membership of a party where anyone can vote like in the Labour Party in England? Or is it something similar to America where they have different systems depending on the state you're living? Or what's the exact type they have? Yes, yeah, so so most of them are directly elected by membership. How that works then in terms of some are directly elected, so one member, one vote. Others are weighted by college and kind of where you have, you know, certain writing associations or constituency groups would have, you know, five votes each, for example, and 
they're entitled then to use those five votes to represent that constituency in the national vote. So a lot of them are directly elected. The uh, I don't think that any party now has a situation where, you know, parliamentary caucus or parliamentary party is is the term used in Ireland, where they have the say, or even the significant say, uh, in terms of how the party leader is selected, it's generally down to the members. Thanks so much for your time today, Dale, and for really dealing with my litany of questions. Uh, Join us again in the coming weeks, where we have more episodes on Canada, Sweden, and Swaziland. As always, remember to hit that like and subscribe button, because it's always good to know more about the world.